0: Hello and welcome to The Appetite, a podcast brought to you by Opal Food and Body Wisdom, an eating disorder treatment center in Seattle, Washington. I'm your host, Carter Umhow, a therapist, artist, and writer. And today I'm sitting down with all of Opal's co founders, Lexi Giblin, Kara Bazzi, and Julie Church. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. 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 So we are all talking about kind of the process of grief and letting go today. And this topic comes at a time in our world, for sure, where there is a lot of letting go that needs to be happening as the world around us is changing so drastically. That comes with a lot of grief that comes with a lot of need to adapt and to try and understand what's next and we also have some upcoming changes within the podcast itself and so as a launching point into the conversation we wanted to share a little bit about that and talk at length conversationally about sort of the, the different feelings and themes that come up with the process of letting go itself
1: okay. i notice noticed that i'm feeling I'm feeling uh, emotional, like having sad feelings as we're recording this today because something that is changing is that Carter is no longer going to host the podcast. And this is our last time recording together.
0: Yeah, it's the, it's the, the last of the four of us together. I think from this recording i've got one more interview to do and you all will go on without me and (laughs) that sounds very much like the titanic but (laughs) i think i'm using humor to to not feel things (laughs) but i know i am feeling a lot of that too and it's it's so strange to be recording at home. Still, um, when we sat down to record our first episode of the pandemic um, in March, I think I was recording from my bed for some reason. And um, I don't think I had a desk yet. And I thought, oh, this is just temporary. And now here, we've been getting through this together for six months, remotely, and we are at a place of transition. And it's weird to be just looking at your faces on a screen as we talk about this.
2: I'm also aware that this isn't brand new news to us. Um, so I'm thinking about for for you as listeners, that's a lot to hear that Carter is leaving this podcast. And we're. Ha- I think we are all having the experience of connecting with our emotions about it in this recording. And we've had some time to process it. So I, I think I just wanted to name that as well.
0: Yeah, that's a sweet thing for you to say. It's hard to know who all has been listening to this podcast over all this time. I feel like we've certainly gotten some feedback and I know it's impacted a lot of people. And there's also a lot of like anonymity in terms of who our listenership is and um, where they are. And if it matters to them that I'm not going to be on the podcast, I have no idea. So it's really sweet. For you to suggest that well um. i'm assuming it does
2: matter a lot <laughs> mm-hmm. and that when as the listeners are hearing this they're going to be going through their own initial reaction and feelings of emotion of that change because this is what they've been used to having in the appetite is the four of us and i'm i'm making the assumption that there is a there is connection and attachment to you as the host and so that's i'm, I'm assuming people are going through their own feelings about that so I think we've had the the, the privilege of knowing <laughs> and being able to go through our own immediate responses and, and have our own kind of process around it before coming live to this conversation.
1: I did have something I wanted to say, to speak to just in, in something I heard you say, Carter, a moment ago, which was that kind of using humor to try to kind of move away from the feeling of the grief and I just appreciate that feeling so much of wanting to kind of leave that, the feeling of loss and the feeling of grief or kind of the discomfort of feeling it. And I, I guess I just think about, I think about this episode itself, how we're just, the four of us and listeners are going to be letting or like moving towards something that sometimes we, we avoid and actively resist, mm. but is so important, right? Because it gives us this, it allows us to kind of make sense or kind of understand what's happening, what's changing, and what is different about now versus before and how, and kind of update our understanding of our worlds. Grief Mm -hmm. is so important, but so easy to try to avoid and stuff it down and not be in. And I also, I just, I also love this experience of being in this with you as a a community, because the, the work of communal grief is, is so beautiful, you know, and doing grief together is a different experience than doing grief by yourself in your room at home. Mm-hmm. And you can get through grief so much. It feels just so different to get through grief when you're with, with other people who are grieving as well. And who are sharing sharing in your grief and you're processing it with them. So I love that. That's what we're doing today. Mm-hmm. Together.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I also imagine listeners are probably wondering immediately, like, why or yeah, what exactly what is
1: why. <laughs> why?
2: Why is this changing? Why is Carter leaving? You know, like, I can imagine that's what my first reaction was to hearing, like, what, why? So I think we probably don't want to wait too long to be able to share no. about that because I, I am imagining that's what the listeners are, that's a question that's coming up right away.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you want to share on, a little bit about that, Carter? Could I give a little preamble for that? Sure. And I'll lead, lead to you. Yeah, sure. So uh, we in uh, Facing Fears at Op- at Opal we do um, a letting go group, and one of the things we we talk about is decision making and and how we how we make decisions when we have ambivalence and lots of feelings pulling us different ways and how we often make decisions even though we are we are maybe fifty percent sure. So I'd love to hear, Carter, how you've gone about making this decision and what factors, what ambivalence is there for you, what clarity is there for you, how you made the decision. Wow.
0: I I think that the simplest answer in terms of why I'm leaving, and I'm grateful for your preamble, Lexi, because I think that it's not simple, actually, but the the quick answer initially is that I think it's just time for some new growth, and that you know we've done over a hundred episodes, and I have not been working at Opal for about a year and a half now, and I, it's been such a wonderful way to still be connected to the community. And I also feel like I'm ready to move into some new directions, and I'm not exactly sure what they are yet entirely, yet I do know that I need sort of the space to be able to be able to dream that up and as i continue to be invested in this project it leaves less space to be invested in new ways of thinking about my professional life and my creative life and so there's nothing entirely concrete about what's next for me but i think that that in terms of the pandemic itself it's brought up a lot of personal changes for me a lot of life circumstances have changed and i think within that it's it's meant that i've had to do a lot of kind of exploration around which parts of my life need a little bit of pruning i think things that have been that i've been holding on to for security or familiarity or comfort that maybe aren't serving me in the same way that they have that they were once so there's stuff about that in terms of just like what my work life looks like that's meant different things for different relationships beginning and ending it's meant things about even just my home and the way that i've needed to rearrange my furniture to go wow you know what i actually am watching way more tv than i used to like let's just accept that and move the tv you know like let's readjust here so I don't know does that does that feel like a first layer i have more to say about that but does that feel like it clarifies some of the reasoning okay
1: yeah and i i um, I, I hear i hear what you're describing is the that this is a kind of an emotional it's more you're following an emotional lead Mm -hmm. with these decisions and less of like a cognitive lead
0: yeah i am i am that way (laughs) i think that i have always been that way. I feel like I make decisions in a really intuitive gut instinct oriented way where I have sort of an awareness of myself or an awareness of a situation and I let myself watch it kind of evolve and I really want to grow and evolve and so I'm paying attention constantly to the ways in which that's able to happen or not happen within a particular setting or friendship or Relationship or you know whatever it is, I've moved, I've transferred schools when in my undergraduate I had went to three different schools. Like I've made some different decisions based off of um, really needing to kind of follow my own instinct and needs for the sake of growth, and that hasn't always made cognitive sense. I know it probably from the outside sounds like I'm flaky to have gone three different places for my undergrad or like don't know what I want but actually like I think that it's been out of a place of really being attuned to letting myself being complicated and being comfortable with the unknown. I I think I am comfortable with the unknown to a lot of to a, to a big extent. So making this decision has definitely come more from, from that kind of gut instinct where I'm like, I don't know exactly what's happening next, but I do know that I can't know until I make a different move. And there are cognitive explanations that I can then find for that. But it for me, it goes from emotional or bodily to cognitive second.
2: I really would say I, I so admire that in you, Carter. Thanks. And I would say like when you first shared that with us, I immediately felt both like the loss and the grief of my own experience of not having you a part of this project with us, but then also like this really big respect and admiration of of that way of making decisions and tuning into things that you want and being able to pivot and take those risks. Because as someone that doesn't, re- doesn't relate to that temperamentally. It's really hard for me to do. So I would. It's. I've been watching my own reaction and in, in seeing your boldness to do that, and I really admire that in you. Thank mm. you. Mm. And I think I that's a loss in our in our little group too, because I think that's something that you that perspective is something that's really rich. It makes our podcast rich and brings diversity in that way that I, I'm going to really be missing that perspective just in these conversations as well. Thank you.
3: I think the part that strikes me with it too, is that you're willing to go into the unknown and you're comfortable with the unknown. And I think that also feels foreign to me. Like it feels mm-hmm. the, that, yeah, I have some similarities to some of the things that you've shared, but I also that piece of like not knowing what the next thing would be, not even having really even any frame for it, right, is really admirable also. And just, yeah, it's, uh, it that's in a big way, like in life change or career or path or whatever. But I do think that this, the, in the small ways in a conversation and what you might do as in the art of hosting a podcast is, is some of what you do. You might go into some of the unknown with some questions or take us in some different ways. And I think it is going to be a, a loss that's one, one of the examples of what will be hard to not have your voice, um, directing and being able to take us different places that we would not have maybe known to go. Thanks.
0: Yeah, it's, I think that, um, what you were just saying, Julie, reminds me of two things. The first is Frozen 2. (laughs) In <laughs> the movie.
3: <laughs> Into the unknown.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I have been talking about, you know, sort of a lot of different decisions with one of my best friends who is a mother who has a, a child that is obsessed with Frozen and I am not typically obsessed with such categories of movies but she's like you have to watch frozen too like you you would so appreciate it if anyone's watched it it's you know sort of the the main character is is kind of coming into her destiny and she's hearing this whisper wherever she is that's like calling out to her and she's terrified of it at first but she begins to start listening and if she's following this inner voice she doesn't know it's her inner voice yet but she starts understanding that it is and she's called into this sort of greater destiny by listening to this thing that's first really scary and unknown, but winds up being kind of this this calling for her. So I relate to that. And I also, I've said this, I, I think probably a million different times on this podcast and in art therapy over the years when I led art therapy at Opal and in Shame and Play when I led Shame and Play at Opal. But I really believe in the process of creation destruction and recreation i think i've talked about that before in light of this book called free play by stephen Nekmanovich, which is about improv in life and he he defines sort of this sanskrit word called lila that's divine play and it's it's this process of those three things creation destruction and recreation and i i like to live like that like that every single thing in our world follows those that process like things are created and then they're destroyed and then something new comes like we're in autumn right now the leaves that had been created over the spring and summer are falling and decaying on the ground and like new stuff's coming out of the decay and i think that that allows me to feel a lot of freedom in stepping into the unknown and and making hard decisions in life because it's like until you prune all that stuff to the ground, there's like no new matter to make anything new with that you, you can't grow unless you let some things be destroyed and acknowledge that.
2: Yeah. I think that's really remarkable to have that at the front of mind that you've had probably for, for years, right? Whereas I think for, and I will speak for myself and maybe for other people that's not at the front of the mind, but interesting how this time in our world has brought that to the forefront as like a great interruption and destruction. And, and yet I know for me, that's not, that's generally not at the forefront of my mind of that cyclical, Nature. So I also wonder what would it be like if that was something I accepted as a, a cycle that's really important and valuable as I make decisions because I don't, I don't think along those, I, I'm thinking more along those lines now, given what's happening in our world. But that's not, it's not a, it's not something that I've generally thought of in the way that you have. So mm-hmm. It sounds, It just sounds very healthy <laughs> um, and <laughs> natural and, and that you know, natural. natural, like about death, you know, even in as we're talking about grief, grief and death and dying and then the naturalness of that. And yet how often do we avoid, how, do, how often do we try to avoid thinking about destruction and the value
3: of destruction? Yeah. I, that's kind of where I was going with it too. I'm like, I'm, I actually am drawn to change. I like change, but to talk about destruction, not, not necessarily. So it's like change, but then holding on. <laughs> mm. So holding on to still what was there, and holding on to what it, maybe if it's a continual relationship. Like I've moved around a lot, I've, but it's still a desire, and my intention is to still hold on to things. I think when I think about it, not necessarily just let them die. <laughs> uh, and I think that that's actually, if I think about it, and I. I could do more work in this area, it sounds like, in my heart and mind right now, because I'm like, oh, yeah, that probably would be really healthy to let some things die and let let the decay and what would what would be newness, what is that clogging up <laughs> in me to kind of be holding on so much of, of all the things, even though as I anticipate moving and changing and things like that feels good for me. I actually have a lot of um, positive feelings around change. I don't think I do it with the destruction and dying part of it too. I
2: Your tree just, just keeps growing, Julie. Yep. You don't cut off the branches. Mm-hmm. You just grows, grows, grows,
3: grows, grows and gets massive. But it doesn't <laughs> do that in nature. That's the yeah, problem. Forest fires happen, <laughs> yeah. so when's the fire?
1: <laughs> I, I've noticed that in our dynamic as uh, as I guess friends and as business owners, that I, I think I tend to be more comfortable with deconstruction the deconstruction part of like this isn't working we need to move on this isn't this is yeah you know, more about like let's cut ties and move on and then i'll feel like julie and kara might be more apt to like be wanting to hold on longer than i am and i think that bears true my personal life as well i think i'm maybe i have more practice with the uh deconstruction or just destruction that things just when things fall apart so i i guess yeah, I sometimes I see holding on when it's not serving, when it's not serving us happening at Opal. Holding on too long. Too long.
2: <laughs> I would agree with that assessment.
0: <laughs> so curious what you guys are referring to. <laughs> oh,
1: it's multiple things, Carter. I yeah. mean it's really interesting to think about think about because I think I'm always the first to jump ship on things. <laughs>
2: I could, I mean, yeah, I think, I don't know if we wanna get into examples.
0: I actually feel really curious about how you guys would would think about like some of the things you've needed to let go of during this season, both in terms of the pandemic, but then also the Black Lives Matter movement. I know that you guys have been making structural changes at OPAL. I know that in terms of white identity development in general, I think that there's a process of needing to let go Actually, actually racial identity development in general, the way that any person has been kind of whitewashed or internalized um, whiteness is a, a process under which we have to let go and first really see what needs to be destroyed. And I think rebuilding is pretty unfathomable in a system like this. So anyway, yeah, I'm thinking about that. Thinking about the pandemic, there's a lot of things to let go of in terms of the pandemic too, and then the intersection of those two. It's like sort of an overwhelming amount of change that we're all asked, <laughs> being asked to participate in right now in this country. Mm-hmm. Well, one
2: thing that I've I've talked about in the episode where we came off of our hiatus with recording was this I you know this idea that I'll be stepping away from clinical leadership related to the work that we're doing to become an anti-racist organization, but also it's a, it's a definite pruning and letting go of cutting branches and it's totally uncomfortable. And it feels like the the biggest change I've made professionally in almost nine years, which feels like it's not, yeah, I, I am really, it's very difficult for me. I relate to Julie, what Julie said. It's very difficult for me to, cut branches off and to, to make change. That being said, you know, I, it's probably a year or so in the making of recognizing the need for change. So I'm doing it. And I think for me, the the growing or the the learning and the growing is I welcome a lot of that in my life. I, I I bring I bring a lot in, but I don't do much of the practice of what needs to be cut off to create more space for the learning, and then I I more t- burn myself out with how much I take on emotionally and change and that's where Julie and Lexi come in and they challenge me and they tell me (laughs) this is they help try to guide me in some of that and I'm not the best at that's that is definitely a challenge so I think Lexi's I think Lexi's very accurate
0: in what she is sharing yeah I, I, it's an interesting example to give in terms of you stepping down for your, from your role, because I know that in a lot of ways, that is to create space, right, for, for leadership from a Black leader. And so that is letting, again, in the space of the unknown be taken up. It's letting go of power. It's letting go of control. And I think that that is incredibly difficult for most people to do and also comes with, I think, a loss of identity. And there's, I think, an important level of work that needs to happen in that to go like, you know, what? I'm actually going to be okay, and I have like enough of a self, or maybe I don't feel like I have enough, but that's okay. Like, I can share, I can share the space, I can share this position, I can share the power, and have less and tolerate that. And it's, it's, yeah, a lot of really uncomfortable feelings that have to come up when you choose to let go of something for different reasons well and i would say one of the the
2: things that set me up to be able to do this is i've i had a a lot of focus on my own therapy work to to when you like when you when you share that i don't i'm not the the difficult part isn't anticipating the identity crisis it's all of the change that it's requiring and having the capacity for all of that where i'm not pruning things off to give me the capacity i'm i'm asking a lot of myself from a demand standpoint, um, that is necessary to to make those changes. So that that's that at least that's how it feels for for my lived experience with this so far. And who knows what I'll learn as it as it keeps going forward. But I think that's the that's the greater challenge for me, rather than kind of going through as much of an identity crisis.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well I yeah, I, I feel like during this time of um, uh, the civil rights movement and the pandemic that that there's there's just you can't not be receptive and open to the information that's coming at us, right? It's there's it just demands attention. And so I feel like that is a really key part of the process of change is letting the information in about what's happening. Because uh, if you don't do that, then then stagnation may occur because you don't have the new information to work with. And then I think I think about kind of what's been driving us through this time. And I, I Carter and, and Kara, I think you both spoke to this, this that change, the, the motivator for change being growth. And I can feel when when that is the reason for the change, you can tolerate a lot of difficulty when you know. When it's in the service of recreation or growth, and the betterment of, of the world, you know, and the people around you, mm-hmm. um, so I feel like that's been a driver and it's just been right with us, and it makes it it makes it all tolerable, you know. When you know you're going somewhere, that is better than where you where you were. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. can withstand a lot and you can tolerate a lot of messiness and ache and we've definitely been there, you know, it's just a lot of, so I, I, I see us where there's a lot of destruction at Opal right now. Our systems are getting, yeah. I mean, we're just looking at everything differently and I, I, the destruction is all around us.
0: Yeah. I, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's striking me as you say that Lexi, that like, I think as, as for white women, I think that the the privilege of thinking about it as growth is uh, really apparent because, you know, you were just saying in a really beautiful way that, like, it's impossible to not take in all this new information and not grow. But there are people that choose not to take in information. And I know there are parts of me that still are struggling to not dissociate when it comes to racial violence. Like, I... I I have so much in my white body that tells me not to feel everything that tells me not to pay attention that tells me, Oh, like that can separate me myself. And I think that that happens systemically. That's why we have an issue. But I also like, I don't know all of that to say that I think that sometimes, I think sometimes change happens because it has to, because Mm -hmm. we're like forced to the brink of something and not because we consciously get to choose to change. And I know that some of the changes that we're talking about are things that we have choices within, but when you are needing to figure out how to survive, needing to figure out how to make ends meet, needing to figure out how to protect your family, needing to figure out just like something that's so much more of a primal need, base need, it's not a conscious effort toward growth. It is a demand that you figure out something, and you figure it out fast. And in that kind of darkness, hopefully there's like a spark of hope where you can see like something beautiful on the other side. But I don't think that everybody gets to hold on to that with
3: a lot of hope, I guess. Totally.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, That's well said. I, I think that I can relate to the feeling of times when I am more willing to um, well, yeah, it's the choice that my whiteness allows me to have that choice, but then to like engage and take it in and feel and be impacted. And then there's that time when, yes, I might not. Right. And I have that choice, which is the thing that I feel like if, yeah, this season has really allowed for me to have clarity that that is something that I have as a privilege as with my my whiteness and that I... I'm so oriented towards what is right and what I think is the, yeah, for the betterment of, of society and others. And so as I realize that it's needing to keep myself close to those moments of discomfort to learn to change and continue this change within my sphere. So if it means within my family, within OPAL, within my individual relationships, to then understand what my impact can be in the systems as well as in, in interpersonal and relational Work so I can relate to what you were saying, Carter. I guess, and that I don't know the 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 process of change. When I think of the day to day at Opal right now, is facing things that we would never and 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 challenges and um, sort of scenarios that we have never been in before, uh, and we're having to make sure that we don't just jump right into the what is or i'm sorry the what what was like oh well that's not that that's not the way it it is it's supposed to be done and then and then you know and instead of slowing down and going okay well what about this uh, is going to be that is creating the change within opal to be able to have this place be different and more inclusive and heal More starting with those that are marginalized. So, I, I don't know. the The change is, yeah. All of this is hard to say. I think because of the privilege that it is, it's tiring. That even doing what I'm doing is tiring. But I also understand that that is with so many layers of my privilege that it's not tiring. Like you're talking about primal need tiring of making sure my kids are fed and my child is safe. It's not that, but within my sphere of of helping this be a place where those that that all could have healing from an eating disorder. I, I, it's, it is, it's mental, a ton of mental energy and emotional energy to, to keep myself not getting back into the old grooves of, well, that's not how it's done. (laughs) And then say, wait, okay, wait, open up, open up. What's the change here? What, how are we going to approach this differently than we did before?
2: even hearing you talk about that i think one of the things is that might be i like the metaphor of pruning of that needs to be pruned is the that's at least challenging for me is the pacing because that does require slowing down and changing the pace which is i think relatable to all of us and i wonder too for other for other folks
1: what i'm like hearing us distinguish between is um change that's a choice mm-hmm and a change that is not your choice. And they're very, they're, they're such different experiences, right? I mean, this change that's a choice where you have, you, are, you have the privilege of having resources in which to make the change. Right. With all this hope and excitement and there's grief in there too, but there's this direction you're headed. It's, it's a diff- completely different quality than the loss that happens when we have, when someone dies Or we want something desperately that we don't have access to, and that is those are two different experiences of letting go.
0: Yeah, and I think that letting go can happen internally. Like there are external things to do. You know, I'm making external changes in my life, but I think there's also a process where that is only. Well, there there are experiences where that's only ever going to be an internal process. I know that i i think about doing work with some of my clients around their family systems where they're not necessarily choosing to let go of their family they're not choosing necessarily to cut anybody off but they are trying to figure out a new way of interacting with family members that have been difficult or caused pain for them. And that letting go process is a holding of both of like, okay, I am going to still be in this family system and I can't interact in this way anymore, or I can't have these expectations of my parent anymore, or I, you know, can't hold on to this much rage. I need to figure out a new way to interact. And sometimes that can be like all a, a change is. Which is not to say it's nothing. That's huge. Sometimes to like stay and do that internal work and have to still be within a circumstance that's difficult, whether that's a job or a relationship or anything else, is an ta- uh, incredibly difficult task and a challenge to maintain within yourself.
2: It's just kind well, of hard to go. It, I feel like I can my head can go in circles around this because I'm like, okay, if it's also yeah. internal change, then... A lot of times, people come to that through therapy or support of somebody else, and the access, the time, the time, and the financial access to do therapy in order to make that internal change. I don't know. I just I can go in my
3: head loop to feel yeah. concerned about the accessibility of that yeah. to you all yeah. and
2: yeah. Yeah, like what I described as my change, uh, a lot of people wouldn't have access to it because of what I did therapeutically. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm.
2: most people wouldn't get to do what I did, accessibility wise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, And that actually made a profound change in my life. Right. And I don't know if I would have been able to make that change without that
1: experience. And all that we talked about with the holding on, like to, to have, a, have the uh, option of holding on, there was, you know, there's a lot of privilege in that. Um, as far as what we haven't, Carter, I'm wondering if there's more to your experience and story that you would want to say you're letting go you're holding what you're holding on to
0: i think when it comes to letting go of my role on the podcast it's been such a hard decision to make because i've really valued the space i've had so much fun there are parts of me that i've gotten to know through this process that i wouldn't have gotten to know and Ways that I show up in these in the meetings that we have or in the recordings that we have that I don't see in any other area of my life, and that is, I think, one of the scariest things for me to let go of because I, I can be a creature of comfort and can kind of just sort of get in a groove with things and whatever. But like I, at this point, what my life will look like is mostly just private practice, professionally speaking. And I enjoy that for sure. And there's so much meaning in it. And I don't talk like this when I'm with clients. And I don't get to think like this out loud in other settings. And I enjoy hosting and interviewing. And I like using my brain in this way. And I I just, like, I worry about sort of... Honestly, even if I'll be able to remember what it feels like to be able to do this and then find it elsewhere, I obviously won't find it in this way, but I think that's one of my hopes to go, okay, there is this new part of me and I want it to be able to exist beyond this. Does that mean, you know, starting my own podcast one day, or does that mean, you know, getting to learn about the art of interviews and read a book or like, I mean, it could mean so many different things in terms of like letting this part of my identity have an outlet elsewhere but sometimes when you don't have the the thing or the structure or the relationships to keep that part of you intact or outwardly expressive at least you lose it c.s lewis said something i forget in what context or book but he was talking about the loss of a friend and who had died and Talking about not just missing that friend but also missing the parts of all of his other friends that were still alive that he would never get to see again because they only came out with this one friend that had passed away that like sort of the the chemistry of this one person being part of the mix changed everybody else and without that one person you lose this person's laughter and you, you lose this person's perspective on this like you just there's you just lose a lot so I'm thinking of that within myself i guess um and know that also within the podcast itself that there's a particular alchemy that will be different
3: Mm -hmm. yeah so much good insight into what you're looking at losing or trying to see what is in this next chapter i i think that that puts much more eloquent words to the, the loss that i feel more selfishly around the loss of you too it is that it's exactly what you just described and that's because I think that the, yeah, your, your maybe ability to navigate a conversation and bring a passion out in me is not going to be there, you know? And Lexi, can, Lexi and Kara could ask those questions or get me there too. But I do, I feel like a loss of that. Like, oh, I won't get to maybe be led into some of those passions of mine in this format. So I'm emotional about it. But yeah, I do, I, I it's, I think... Gratitude for your naming of that in that eloquent way. But definitely also, yeah, grief of the loss of that for me.
0: Thanks for saying that. Yeah. I'm glad to know that you felt that way.
3: That was like the one thing I had written down about saying in this episode. Oh. So you you cued me up. Teed me up. Good. That's my job. (laughs) Uh,
1: With loss, at least something I always try to do is – connect with what i did receive you know even you know what what i did learn and what was what i valued and what was what was there even if the loss is painful and even if it's unwanted or it's wanted you know just to sit in the moment of the gratitude of what what was mm-hmm. and lots of gratitude to you Carter thank you you will be missed mm-hmm. Lots of credit.
2: I don't I don't know if I have more words than what they're sharing but certainly I like what you said even using the word alchemy like a chemistry that just that changes and that's I think that was that's what I've been I, I'm much more connected to the loss that I am to what's ahead or what's what's next
1: I, I know we're we're going to be in a recreation phase of the podcast moving forward and I hope you're proud of us, Carter. Oh, I am. Mm-hmm. I am. I'm so excited. As you listen next. in the future, I wonder, I hope you're proud of us. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure I will be.
3: Oh. So uh, listeners, you can continue to expect to hear Carter through the end of 2020. Uh, so we have several things we've recorded, things we'll release every two, three weeks. We're also going to re release a few episodes that most of you probably haven't heard that we think are gems that are sort of stuck in the archives of our 100 plus episodes. So we'll be re releasing those and those will also include Carter. So that's kind of what to expect in 2020. And then as we look into 2021, we don't know what we're all like, as Lexi says, we're going to be in a recreation phase. So uh, we will still be here and we have interest in potentially having a new host. So if, if you, a uh, listener or somebody out there uh, thinks could be a good host for what this is, please be in touch with us. But also we may just be playing around a little bit with the three of us, Lexi, Kara, and I, kind of having some conversations and seeing if that could be, be a platform of learning and, and growth for you as the listeners and uh, us as well. I feel myself feeling jealous already. <laughs> like,
0: wait, what? Like a new host? <laughs> I'm listening, like, a bit distracted by that. I know. I didn't know if I should say it. But- no, it's great. It's great. I, You know, I'm saying yeah. that even out loud for the listeners to know. Like, <laughs> as we talk about this, I don't feel great. <laughs> it goes back to that ambivalence, you know. We have an
1: episode on um, envy, Carter, that you could Oh, good. Listen I'll
0: listen. <laughs> I'll listen to my former wisdom in a moment of calm and fewer risks and costs. <laughs> I think that I would also, like, just as part of this community and like I said earlier in this episode today. It's hard to know sometimes who is listening. And I would invite any listener to reach out to me if you want to. I think that that would mean a lot to me if anyone wants to say hi or I don't know. What was your favorite episode? I'm just curious. Mm -hmm. That would mean a lot to me. I have two different websites that I think you could find me at through both. One is more arts focused and it's carterumhow.com and the other one is more therapy focused and it's pith therapy, dot com. So I would love to be in touch with anyone that wants to be in touch. Holding on. I am holding on. (laughs) (laughs) Holding on. I think that that is hopefully I think for me, uh, a really beautiful thing to, to know that like relationships can continue in, in some capacity beyond sometimes the structure of, of what life has provided so far. And that's the way that I prefer to hold on typically, is in those relational connections even when so many other things change. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and thank you so much for being invested in the podcast in the way that you have been, whether that's been this one episode or you've been following along since the beginning. It has been such an honor to get to be in your ears. Make sure you listen through the rest of 2020 and also to see what's going on on the other side of the new year, too, as the podcast continues to reinvent itself. Thank you. Like I said, feel free to reach out to me directly. If you want to learn more about Opal, make sure to stay in touch with us on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Opal Food and Body. You can also learn more about our programming and community events at opalfoodandbody.com. Thank you so much to David Bozzi for editing this episode, to Camille Dodson for all of the assistance and management of the podcast, and to Aaron Davidson for the Appetite's original music. Thanks again for listening and join us next time.